0: Hi, my name's Josh, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Church podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that, by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. So I think I've told you this before, but in case... I haven't, you haven't heard it before. Whenever there is a reading in the lectionary that I think, what is that about? I imagine if I were you sitting out there and I would think, I want the preacher to talk about that. That's a weird one. So today, I want to preach about the Second Samuel passage and David and Bathsheba and, and today Nathan. It started last week and today we see Nathan entering the, the, uh, the scene. Just so you know, uh, I'm going to have a number of uh, points that I'm going to make here that are, I think are fairly practical, and so if you are a note-taker kind of person, you might want to look at the back of the bulletin and get ready to take some notes, because I, there's a, quite a bit, and I'm not going to be able to pause a ton. So with that said, let's look at 2 Samuel a little bit here. A couple years ago, as I was getting ready for—well, um, actually, after a pretty tense ministry meeting I was having with a friend of mine and actually several of my peers— it was over, and I was kind of exhausted, and I was thinking about it a little bit. And a friend of mine pulled me aside gently and said, Jonathan, it doesn't help us when you get so defensive. You need to be less defensive. And it smarted. That hurt. Except he was also right. I was... Defensive in that meeting, and sometimes when I feel afraid or I don't know what's happening or I feel like what we're doing is just wrong, I get defensive. And God used Him and His words to change my heart. I'm still wrestling with that. One thing I love about God, I love about being a Christian, I love doing life with you, is that He, in His incredible grace, has brought enough people in your life and enough people in my life. To come together who care enough to speak the truth in love. That's what our Ephesians 4 reading said today. Speak the truth in love. And I'm grateful for the people in my life who have come to me and spoken to my heart. Who have let God speak to them and then come to me and offer some level of change. Because then I have an opportunity to grow up a little bit. Become more like Christ. And... Honestly, I think God has consistently given me those people in my life. I would also argue that we all need those kind of people in our lives, the ones who are willing to speak the truth and love to us, and we never outgrow that need, no matter how old we get, because at some level we are all like David, and we all need a Nathan to set our hearts right, which is what we see in 2 Samuel. Word about David. David was the man God chose to become the king of the people. Don't miss that. David was the guy who God picked to be the king of his people. Matter of fact, God called him a man after my own heart. It was David who wrote beautiful words that you know so well, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23. David also wrote, teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. I will glorify your name forever. That's Psalm 86. But then David's heart grew cold, grew hard towards God and other people. So much so that David commits adultery. He He gets the woman he's committing adultery with pregnant. And then very much like a mafia thug, he orchestrates the murder of her husband in a terrible way. And then rather than turn his life over to God after all these things, David continues to manipulate, continues to scheme and control the events of his life and those lives around him, right to the point of the story that we see here today. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent nathan to david david's life had continued continued to slide into a spiritual cesspool and nathan was brought by god to bring the truth to david and even though david was king and a man after god's own heart david still needed to hear that word spoken in love And here's this amazing truth about God right from the beginning that we see. That God has designed us and wants us to be in healthy relationships with him, of course, but also with each other. And a gift that God has given us is to reveal those truths to us about what it means to have healthy and even healthier relationships. And right from the start, one of the truths we see from this story is that we all need a Nathan. Everybody needs a Nathan. Need someone who loves us enough to come to us and speak the truth about our lives. Now, as soon as you hear that idea, maybe that scares you. I know it does me. Because that means someone sees you, someone knows your stuff. Someone might even know and see your secrets. And it's scary because that means that we have weaknesses, we're afraid that our sin might be exposed, and that the shame of that might overwhelm us. And before I tell you about what it means to speak truth in love, let's address some of those fears about our weaknesses being exposed. Why is the right question. Why would I want someone to speak the truth into my life? Well, hopefully first you remember that the goal of our journey with Christ is to become like him. That's the destination. That's where we're heading. And if you haven't arrived there yet, then you are an unfinished product. Christians from another age would have used the Latin phrase status vitior, which means a human being that is on the way. And so if you're committed to Christ, if you're connected with him in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, then the deepest longing of your heart should be to finish that race like an Olympic sprinter straining towards that finish line, which is what Paul talks about in Philippians. You don't want to sit down. You don't want to give up. You can't. God, in fact, won't let you. You are his deepest desire. And so our deepest desire needs to be status fitter, Christians on the way. The problem with this is that as we're on our journey, sin hardens our heart. We become masters of self-deception. We know very well how to trick ourselves, and that's exactly what happens with David today that we read. His life has slidden into a massive sin, lust, adultery, murder, cruelty upon cruelty, and he didn't even see it. Shocking. Shocking. The only time David actually cares about sin, hopefully you noticed this, was when Nathan told him a story about somebody else's sin. So typical, right? That's us. Can't see our sin, but when we want to talk about somebody else's sin, you bet, I see it. Oh, I see it. Yeah, I see your sin. In fact, in the story, David erupts with rage. He sees the sin in other people and he's built this massive blind spot to his own. He's become an expert at self-righteousness and at self-deception. We're the same. I'm the same. We look at our spouse, our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our churches, our leaders of this country, and we are outraged at their sin. And simultaneously, we are quite defensive and make excuses for our own. But then God, in his love, puts us around people who love us so much that they will tell us The truth. Hopefully they'll do it with a gentle spirit, but they will take that risk. And we need other people to see our blind spots and tell us about them. That's what the Bible in Ephesians is talking about when it says, speak the truth in love. Now, again, this is scary. I get it. Most of us have not seen a good model of this happening. Most of us grew up in families or attended churches that either blasted us with the truth or loved us with such a saccharine love That no one ever spoke the truth. They affirmed us literally to death. But the Bible calls us to this healthy Christian, this Christ like balance of speaking the truth in love. And if we don't do it, we don't grow up. If we don't do it, if we don't take the risk of loving each other, of giving and receiving the truth in love, then we remain like David, stuck in self deception. And that's the danger of today. So, from the beginning, let me just say how do we live like Nathan? How do we speak the truth in love to our brothers and sisters, to the folks that you care about, to the folks that you know, to the people who God has put you around? So I want to give you really six points, six ways in which we need to be more like Nathan. Guidelines of ways in which we can speak the truth in love. And the first is this, Nathan had courage. Don't skip over the first verse of this story. The Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. Imagine the courage Nathan needed to obey God. Not only was David, God's anointed, his appointed king, but he'd also become quite arrogant and quite cruel, and it was well known. David had already concocted a plan to dispose of his lover's husband, so we might say in our parlance that David wasn't really in a good place right now, right? (laughs) Not only was David not in a good place, but he had the power and the authority to enforce all that he wanted. Matter of fact, we read a couple later chapters later in, in 2 Samuel that David had a bodyguard who constantly was begging David, hey, let me go cut people's heads off. So he has a guy who wants to kill David's enemies, and yet Nathan still took a risk. Truth-telling is always an act of courage. You may not be well liked. People may not say, well, thanks for pointing out my blind spot. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness and your insight. (laughs) That's why we call them blind spots, right? We don't want to see them. We choose to look away from the areas of our lives that we've just grown accustomed to. And people will oftentimes fling it back into your face. Well, now that we're on the subject, let me discuss some of your blind spots, you jerk. We don't do this because it makes us popular we do it because god has captured our hearts with a vision with a story of lives transformed of lives liberated from sin and from blind spots liberated to become the people that jesus always knew we could be new creations in him and i long to see that i hope you do too if we're going to have that new, ver- that new vision, that new version of us, we must first start with courage. Second, Nathan listened to God. He listened to God. Now, how did Nathan know what he was supposed to say to David? Well, the text doesn't say. But I know for sure he must have been listening to God. And actually, this is the second time that Nathan comes to David. So back in uh, 2 Samuel 7, <coughs> David, uh, Nathan comes to David, tells him some good stuff. And so to be this person... First and foremost, we must be listeners of God before we're doers. So how are we listeners? We've got to quiet our hearts. We've got to put our agenda, the things that we want to say, the things that we want to do on the shelf. Matter of fact, we need to confess our own anger about what's happening. We need to listen to the arrogance inside of us and confess that to God. We need to listen to God's word and respond as Jesus did in the Gospels a question that you can ask yourself very often if you feel called to be a Nathan to take this risk is, Am I? have I been still? Do I know that God is God? I would also encourage you to ask, is this a clear issue in Scripture? Is this part of an issue that God wants to reform a character in somebody else? Or is this just an issue of personal preference? Because sometimes it's just an issue that we just don't like and we want to say something about it. And those we need to have... Let's say a little bit less. Discerning between those two things is critical because it means understanding what it means to major on the majors and minoring on the minors. Nathan knew that this issue was clear cut. Look what it says 2 Samuel. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. So he listened first. We've got to do the same. It was a biblical issue. It was a Christ like character issue, and it was worth the risk. It was worth the fight. So, courage, then listen to God. Second, or third rather, uh, Nathan has tapped. Nathan has tapped. Nathan has a history with David. He doesn't just breeze into David's life, rebuke him, and then sort of move on to the next thing. Nathan has already been a part of encouraging David, as I told you back in chapter 7. He comes to David and he encourages him, reminding him of God's incredible promises to him. So Nathan doesn't just unload on him and then walk away from David. Truth-telling and encouragement go hand in hand. They are opposite sides of the same coin. Encouragement is based on the fact that we are fearful people who need God's support. Truth-telling is grounded in the fact that we are sinful people in need of God's correction. So they must go together. And when you join encouragement and correction, you get tact. I love how Pastor Rick Warren says it. He says it this way, Tact is making a point without making an enemy. Ooh, I love that. I'm really good at making enemies. (laughs) But I don't want to. I want to have tact. Nathan has tact in this story. He doesn't come in and club David with the truth. He engages him in such a way that David can see the sin for himself. He speaks the truth, but he does so tactfully. Fourth, Nathan has personal contact with David. Nathan comes and tells David the truth face to face. Much of our Christian journey is face-to-face. If you're going to confront somebody, have the guts to do it to their face. Do not write an anonymous note. That is not helpful. That is disrespectful. That is not Christian. Do not email them. Do not text them. And for heaven's sake, stay away from social media with this kind of stuff. It has no business being there. Show your face. Show your heart. Jesus set the standard for this. If your brother or sister sins against you, go to them, show him his fault, and the two of you will be reconciled. Matthew 18, have courage, listen, have some tact, do it in person. Fifth, Nathan had boldness. Nathan didn't mince words. By the time he got done with his brilliant, pretty short sermon, David wasn't wondering, what the heck was all that about? What do you mean by this story, Nathan? Nathan? Now, in the South, we drink a lot of sweet tea. And so that causes us to want to say something sweet, not say something too direct. And so instead of being direct, we say, well, bless their heart. Which is really code for, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) But it's really not saying anything at all. It's avoiding the person, it's avoiding the issue. We need to be like Nathan. Speak it clearly. Speak it boldly. Let somebody else bless their heart, not you. Have courage. Listen to God. Have tact. Make personal contact. Be bold. And finally, Nathan offers comfort. Nathan doesn't just come to him, tell the story, and then walk away. He offers words of assurance and comfort. He points David back towards God. Modern-day truth-tellers must be prepared to do the same thing. The ones that I listen to, the ones that have come to me and corrected me, the ones that I like the most, who sort of get into my business, they point me back to the cross. They say, look what Christ has done. There is mercy in the midst of our mess. They offer me comfort. Modern day truth tellers should never leave us feeling heavy hearted or oppressed by guilt or condemnation. Instead, the miracle of this story is that David receives Nathan's truth-telling. David's heart is broken. There are no excuses, no rationalizations. God demolishes David's cleverly devised defense mechanisms. And I love David's response. Hopefully you saw it at the end. I have sinned against the Lord. Wow. Wow. Later on, David describes his heart like this. Created me a clean heart, O oh God, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 51. Just a heads up, it doesn't usually go this way. Most of us have built in very complex systems to not hear the truth because our hearts very stubbornly cling to either arrogance or to shame, sometimes both. Mostly, we just continue to try to justify ourselves and our actions but the good news in christ is that both shame and arrogance have been nailed to the cross and so a sign of spiritual maturity in you or whoever's talking to you is their ability to receive correction and i will note but not all correction is equal some correction is in fact not accurate we may have to filter through that correction use discernment But that doesn't mean that you still get to respond in anger or pettiness. Even if the truth teller is 100% correct, we need to act like we want to receive it instead of like selfish pigs or total fools. Because when we act like we were designed to act, that is outside of our sinful nature, we become the people that the cross paid for. We reject our bent towards arrogance. We repent. We return our lives to God and we don't wallow in shame. So, quickly, right here at the end, two couple things I want to give to you. First, let me ask you this question. I would love for you to answer this, not right now, obviously, but on your own, over lunch, with somebody you trust. Who is your Nathan? Who is your Nathan? And when was the last time that Nathan came to your door? When they came? Was shame and arrogance, were those the things that you used to carefully deflect Nathan from what God was calling you to? Do you have people in your life who speak the truth to you? And how do you receive that truth when it's spoken? Who is your Nathan? If you are in any kind of spiritual leadership and you don't have at least one Nathan, but hopefully multiple Nathans speaking truth into your life, I'm going to say watch out. I'm going to say a step further, I don't really trust you if you don't have a Nathan second question is this is there someone in your life that needs you to be Nathan for them is there someone in your life that needs you to come to them and speak the truth in love as Nathan did someone who you know is heading off a cliff and you're just watching being kind sipping your sweet tea non-judgmentally as their life just slides towards the cesspool they need you Maybe they don't need your advice. Maybe they don't need your correction. Maybe they need your encouragement. Maybe they need your listening ear. Maybe they need you to do the six things that Nathan did. But for sure they need somebody to love them enough to speak the truth in love. Brothers and sisters, the only way to grow in Christ that I know is to do this. And as long as you and I are status vitiers, pilgrims on the way, people on this journey. This is one of the most critical ways God will reach our hearts and change our lives forever. So find a Nathan. Be a Nathan. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.